This week on the podcast, we talk about the worst thing in the world. What is it? Listen to find out. podcast this week we have my best friend in the whole world mr braxton callan missionary in haiti we also have my possibly second best friend in the whole world <laughs> trevor Bereka. Uh, we don't have matt schmer with us this week he's transitioning to a new job but it's a joy to have braxton and trevor how are you guys doing this week Man, I was doing better before I was possibly <laughs> of the world. Now, now I'm judging my status and worse in life oh, based no. on this evaluate. No, I, I'm totally kidding. I'm having a great week and just pumped to, to be able to, to see people again. Yeah, it's been such a joy hanging out with Alex this week. Yeah, I'm excited for this podcast. Well, it's super good. We've been we've been hanging out the past few nights and it's just been it's been a real joy. So it is Pentecost Sunday. We're coming together to record the podcast. It's been a little bit since we've done so. We're gonna talk about what may be considered, at least what I consider to be the worst thing in the world. I've learned from Trevor the the term hot take. Maybe it's a hot take, maybe it's not. But I want to roll with it. What is the worst thing in the world? I would say that the worst thing in the world is loneliness. That no matter what form of suffering that you may undergo, whether it is being let go from a job, whether it's failing in the eyes of your friends and family or yourself, whether it's loss of a loved one or whatever it might be, I would argue that all of those things are bearable as long as you have someone to experience them with. But this feeling of I'm totally alone and I have no one to turn to, I think that is the worst thing in the world. So we're going to be talking about loneliness in the context of our faith, of our Catholic faith, in the context of our relationship with God the Father, and really just in the context of our relationships with each other. So let's, let's start with this question of, in your guys' life, what does loneliness look like and what has it felt like? When I think back to the loneliest times in my life, I think particularly the time this was most true for me was around my junior or senior year of high school. And this was particularly when I had desire to, to start growing with my relationship with the Lord, but I had really no one around me besides my, my immediate family who really like shared in that desire. And so I, I would go to these camps that would really like hype me up and get me, you know, have, I would have this transformation of heart where I desire to encounter the Lord more fully. And I'd go back, I'd start reading my Bible every day. And then, you know, as weeks went on and months, weeks turned into months, basically I would be isolated from anyone who was really pursuing that. And what really came out of that isolation was just this feeling of like, I remember like, this is kind of super sappy and, and, and maybe relatable to some of you more uh, emotional types, but I remember driving home <laughs> from basketball practice, just like crying in my car many days because I just felt that there wasn't truly anyone in my life at the time who understood like who I was or what I cared about. And so I think that was probably the, the loneliness I've ever been in my, in my life. And, and what truly brought remedy to that was when I went to college and experienced like people who genuinely not just like showed up to events with me, but people who actually like desired to be with me and to share in my passions and interests outside of the context of just because we had fun together. But it was, it mm. was a desire for me to be better. Yeah. That's super good. Braxton, what about you? Yeah, I think for me, um, it was my first year in missions um, with Family Mission Company. I got sent to Haiti with um, one of my other team, with one other male, and I didn't speak Creole. Um, it was his third year. It was my first year. And yeah, it was just, it was by far the loneliest time in my life. And I think sometimes like we think that like, oh yeah, like 
now that I've encountered the Lord, now that I have like met all these incredible friends, like I'll never be lonely again. Um, but I actually had like an incredible community. I had incredible friendships. I've had a conversion. Um, but then the Lord invited me to move to Haiti. As much as I, man, just wanted to be on mission and wanted to fall in love with the people and just like be really close with, with my teammate. It just didn't work. It was funny. I, I tried everything I could possibly do to, to get to know this guy like really well and just be vulnerable with him and honest with him and open with him. But it just seemed like nothing was really working. And yeah, it was by far like the loneliest time in my life. During your first year in missions with Family Missions Company, we, we can't drink um, for years. So there's no alcohol. Um, you can only get on media or text people back home on Sundays. And there's a dating fast. And so not only was I lonely, but I like was stripped of all of my escapes. And so I remember just going to prayer and just being like, Lord, like writing this time and time again in my prayer time, Lord, I'm so lonely. I'm so lonely. Mm -hmm. And I remember even saying like, Lord, why is it? Because the Lord was so present to me during this time. But I remember thinking like, why are you not enough for me? Like, why is it that I just keep saying I'm lonely and I keep hearing how much you love me in prayer? but I still keep feeling this deep sense of something lacking in my heart. And, uh, and honestly, like wrestling with that with the Lord was probably one of the best years of my life, even though it was one of the greatest sufferings of my life. And my relationship with Him got so much more intimate and so like taken to a whole nother level of just rawness. Mm -hmm. And um, it's actually funny, that's also when me and Alex really started to develop a relationship because I started calling him every Sunday because I could every only Sunday, talk on Sunday. Clockwork. So. It was awesome. <laughs> And I, what's kind of interesting is like, so Trevor's story is from, is from kind of high school to college. And, and in this time, we're transitioning into a deeper prayer life and deeper relationships. Braxton's story is from his first year as a missionary. Um, the first thing that came to mind for me was in uh, college when I was dating Hillary and we broke up. And I, it was just an experience if you've, if you've had a, a breakup that you didn't choose where you felt particularly close to someone. Um, it was just like all my eggs were in one basket and, and I was praying, I was going to mass and things like that. And I had good friendships, but it just, yeah, I felt like the person I had trusted the most, the person I was closest with, that it was a complete break in trust and I, and I didn't have anyone. And, and partly why this comes up, I think all of us could point to examples in our own lives and the lives of men and women that we've like ministered to over the last few years and, and said like, at the heart of, of a lot of sin and brokenness is a sense of loneliness. No one ever is like, yeah, I fully entered into sin knowingly and I and I just and and I felt so filled of life with my relationships and, and you know my fan my friends and my family. I felt so loved. It's always out of a sense of loneliness. I'm alone in this. I have no one to turn to. I have no one to talk to. No one is suffering in this with me. And that's when like, you know, a sense of spite comes into our heart or resentment or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. So a lot of this is coming from this book, Fathered by God, that I'm reading by John Eldridge. It's amazing. And at the beginning, he talks about this sense of loneliness. He, he particularly says it's a sense of fatherlessness, of when, when we have this feeling of, I don't know how this is going to go. I'm alone in this. It's up to me to figure it out. That particular wound or hole there is, is a sense of fatherlessness. Like, I don't have a father to walk with me and to guide me and to, com to be my companion in this with me. And I just, I, I want to, yeah, bring up this particular notion because it's new to me. I, I hadn't, like, I've, I've thought about loneliness for, for a long time and the effects of loneliness, but this particular word of fatherlessness. And obviously, it, this, this can be, you know, a, a real life experience of growing up without a father or growing up with a father who is absent or who's just in his brokenness is, is imperfect. And there's definitely a, a, an importance here to, to point to our earthly father. But just like this, this wound of we're made for a relationship with heaven, our heavenly father, 
Um, and what does it look like to experience loneliness in particular, if we can identify it as a fatherlessness of not having someone to show us the way. And, and Braxton, I actually wanted to ask you, I just, just was reminded of, of a story that you've told me before about you and an ATV. You know, that's the first thing that comes to mind is like you having this like healing experience with God the Father and ATV. Would you, would you mind sharing that with everyone? <laughs> yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, yeah, I was on a, a retreat called the Holy Spirit Boot Camp impact retreat whatever it's called and i was really just praying it was the first time in my life uh, i went to the lord and i was like lord i know i need healing but i don't know what from i kind of surrendered what i needed healing like from which normally i would always come to the lord with this list of like oh heal me from this or this or this and this particular weekend on this retreat i said lord you have permission to do whatever you want in my life like i just want to i just want to love you and serve you and i said lord what do you want to heal me from and instantly i heard your childhood your childhood. It was funny. That's that's all he said. But he took me and he kind of he kind of gave me this vision of me four wheeling with with God the Father. It was quite odd, but he was uh, yeah. I was on a four wheeler. We're driving around just out in the country somewhere, and, uh, and yeah, he was like teaching me how to like shift gears. He was teaching me how to like drive this thing. And I remember there's one moment I was like on his shoulders as he was driving, um, and we were just. <laughs> It was just a, a sweet, awesome experience, and it just meant the world to me because it was something that I had always desired to know how to do, was to, to drive a four-wheeler, to, to learn how to do that. Because, yeah, growing up, my dad, um, my dad loves me a ton, but, like, just was not in my life a whole lot. It was more of, like, an every-other-weekend kind of thing. My parents are divorced, and, man, when God the Father spoke that into my life and shared that, that image with me in my life, it was almost like something in my heart was just, like, refilled and it was something that only God the Father could heal and only God the Father could even know that I needed healing from that was not my prayer um, but the Lord knew my heart he knew what was lacking and just like filled it and met me right in the muck and gave me exactly what I needed it was, it was really beautiful it's so good so good um, so yeah I, I think that experience came to mind because it's, it's powerful knowing Braxton's background and and knowing the relationship he has with with his with his dad but also knowing that healing prayer there's there's one part of this book that i want to talk about and see if it resonates with you guys at all so john eldridge is talking at the beginning i think like in the first chapter talking about how he always wanted to learn how to fly fish and he would he would like fish with his dad a little bit and his dad taught him some things but his dad never taught him fly fishing and so one day he goes to like a really popular fly fishing spot and he's getting ready and he's, he's all set up and he's like fishing for a few hours and catches absolutely nothing. He looks like 30 yards away and there's this guy that's just nonstop catching fish. And it says that at first he envied him, then second he began to hate him, and then third he humbled himself and walks up to the man. He says, how are you doing this? And the man says, the man actually like invites him closer and begins to teach him how. And, and he ends that story with saying, without a doubt, God the Father began to father me through this man. And so we have this experience, like Braxton was saying, of like we have these moments of prayer where God the Father can begin to father us and heal these wounds in our private and mental prayer. But so often as well, I think God the Father wants to father us through other men. And is, is that something that resonates with you guys or something that, that, you, that you have experienced? I would say, for me, this really strikes a chord because... One of the, the first times I started to see a lot of fruit in my growth with the Lord. So if we're going along the story I was telling earlier, right? So I go to college, I start to get good community, and I grow a lot, and I'm sort of like led by a man named Evan, um, Evan Wilsoncroft. He used to be with Focus, and he 
really just invested in Lee and, and like actually was the first person who challenged me to vision, envision a life in which I wasn't just, you know, someone who is, who is playing Call of Duty, you know, most of the day, but someone who actually, the Lord was calling to make an impact in the world. But the crazy thing is focus through a lot of long story, got kicked off my campus at the end of my freshman year. And so I remember my sophomore year, I started to like, I had this desire to, to do all these things, to lead men, right? So I start discipling men, um, start leading Bible studies. And in the midst of that, I remember towards the end of the year, I just felt this aloneness because I felt like I was trying to lead people and to be an inspiration in life, to lead them, to do what Evan had done for me. But no one was leading me. And, and I remember like, this was right before I went to Summer Projects. And so I, I went to this program of focus called Summer Projects where I spent 10 weeks in, in the Rocky Mountains. And it was the first time I had ever had spiritual direction. It was the first time I'd ever have a spiritual father speak into my life. And I remember just meeting one-on-one with, uh, first it was Father James Brent, who's a really uh, wise and holy Dominican. And then after that, it was Father Brennan Rowling. He's one of our national chaplains of focus. But um, I remember just over the course of the summer getting one-on-one meetings with them probably every other week. And, and those were some of the most groundbreaking developments in my spiritual life as I unraveled a year's worth of built-up pride from, from trying to lead without being led. And it was, the, it was the first time that I was like, man, like they're actually the father desires for me to know him more. And I've been like struggling and feel like I'm just like swimming, like almost like imagining myself like in a Creek, I'm drowning and there's no one there. to like pull me out. And then I go to summer projects and have the spiritual direction with these men who truly like allow me to progress in my knowledge of who Jesus is and, and who the father is. And that, that was like a defining moment. That summer was one of the most defining like times of my life. And even like going forward to complete the story, it was through spiritual direction as I was completing my senior year and, and, and decided to propose and decided to, to say yes to focus. It was through spiritual direction with um, Bishop Rice from um, the, the Diocese of Springfield, Cape Girardeau. It was with spiritual direction with Father James Brent and, and, and many others who actually like, not many others, a few others, <laughs> who, who helped me like make the, the steps that I think the Lord was asking for me to grow. And so to, to kind of like talk about your example of, yeah, desiring for a father and, and like trying to like, I love that imagery of him just casting out. Mm-hmm. I think it's sometimes that we ask the Lord and we need to ask him more fervently for that fatherhood in our life whenever we feel most alone. Yeah. And while we're not experiencing that in the way that we'd like to really just pray like, Lord, I know you're, you're here attempting to father me right now. Help me to be present to the graces you're giving me. Totally. Totally. I think that's really, really good. I remember there was a day earlier this semester, because I think all these examples that we we drew on are from six months ago or longer. And I, I think it's super important to say that me, Trevor, and Braxton have all experienced loneliness on a on a regular basis. It's it's a it's a normal human thing. It's a normal holy holiness thing. It's like every every man, woman on this planet experiences loneliness. Why? Because we're made for relationship and when we experience the lack of, we experience loneliness. And so but there was an experience I think I had just uh, maybe maybe two months ago where yeah, something broke in my house and I was just like so frustrated and I didn't have like the skills or knowledge to fix it. And it just triggered this response of like, yeah, I don't know how to do this. I'm alone and trying to restore this. And I I had no one to show me how to do this. And there's no one here to guide me in this. I guess it was a sense of fatherlessness. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have described it as that, but it was. So I was praying about it and I was starting to like tear up in the chapel of like, here I am a father who doesn't know how to take care of his own household kind of thing. And uh, just like this, like I felt like, like the Lord was speaking into that and just saying like, call your dad, just call your dad. And so I did, I, I left the chapel and I called my dad and I started crying on the phone and he was like, what's going on? I was like, I just feel like, yeah, I'm not a man cause I don't know how to fix this thing. 
and God the Father just followed me through my dad that day, and he was like, Alex, it's not like having a certain set of skills or knowledge how to fix things like does not make you a man. And even though I knew that, like I knew that, and 10,000 people in my life could have told me that, like there was just something like so liberating and freeing, like hearing it from my father, just like it's not what makes a man. And you are a great man and you are a great husband. And I just felt like so fathered by him that day and I was crying. It's just it was just super moving and healing. And but there's there's something that like I think when men live mission really well, like when we live as missionaries really well, yes, like we can be good brothers and good friends to each other. But I think the best moments of mission is when we father each other. And it's like someone my age, even younger than me, can father me in the sense of like they can guide me and show me like compassion or strength or be a source of strength for me when I'm struggling or or can wade into my loneliness and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm here for you, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's these moments I think that if we think back of our times in, our, in mission, either that we've experienced for ourselves or have been like a, in a sense like a father to someone else, like it, I think it's God the Father inviting us to fill that void and to participate in filling that void in someone else's heart. Here's a sentence I want to I want to read that is really sticks out to me from from like the first chapter I think in in the book. It says, "You are the son of a kind, strong, and engaged father." A father wise enough to guide you in the way, generous enough to provide for your journey, offering to walk with you every step. You are the son of a kind, strong, and engaged father. A father wise enough to guide you in the way, generous enough to provide for your journey, offering to walk with you every step. Uh, And later, John Eldridge quotes George MacDonald saying that the hardest, gladdest thing in the world is to cry father from a full heart. The refusal to look up to God as our father is the one central wrong in the whole human affair. The inability, the one central misery. The hardest glad thing in the world is to cry father from a full heart. The refusal to look up to God as our father is the one central wrong in the whole human affair. The inability, the one central misery. Yeah, I, I think there's there's something here too, just, and we're getting close to the end of our time here because it is 1040 and my man Trevor needs to go to mass at 11. And so we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're wrapping up things quick. But there's something here too of like, even in my particular vocation, like there's moments of being a father, both Trevor and Braxton I've seen into my life and seen that it's, it's difficult for me at times, certainly having kids that are so young and crazy and all these things. But there's moments where I, I do feel like I'm totally alone in this. And those, those, those are the days I feel overwhelmed and I feel crushed. And there's other days where I'm like, no, God, you are my father and you are in this with me and you are experiencing this with me. And you're like, you, you have your, your hand on my shoulder and you believe in me and you believe that I have the potential to, to overcome this or to wade through this time of struggle or whatever it is. And, I, and I, sometimes I feel like coached by God the Father and like how to love my wife and, and how to be a good friend. Yeah, and then other times I do feel like alone and and so in, in that, in that struggle that, that I feel, in the struggle that we all feel, that we feel super accompanied by God the Father at times, and other times abandoned and isolated, what, what for you guys, thinking back to whether it's pre-conversion and 10 years ago, five years ago, five months ago, five days ago, whatever it might be, what helps tip the scale there? What helps bring someone from a place where, yeah, they feel completely alone? completely isolated or abandoned to I feel accompanied and loved by my father. What's something that helps tip the scales there? Yeah, for me, um, two things. One is prayer um, and just going to the Lord and just being really raw and really vulnerable with him. I'm actually, Trevor mentioned earlier about the importance of spiritual direction in his life. And, and it's been incredibly important for my life too. I remember my spiritual director, he used to, a lot of times he'll start spiritual direction and say, Braxton, what is the one thing you don't want to share today in spiritual direction? Let's yeah. start there. 
And when I look at that, I'm like, yeah, man, it's so, it's so true. Like, like just going to prayer and saying, Lord, what is the one thing I just like really don't want to talk about? What's the one thing that is just heavy, heavy on my heart right now? Mm. And just allowing the Lord to speak into that. And the second thing is um, just community. I remember Alex Sanchez, he's the only other person that's really ever asked me. I remember we're getting a conversation one day and it was really, really good. Um, But I think sometimes we can put on this, I don't know, we can kind of disguise ourselves like we're doing good or even like get in a fun, hilarious conversation and do these things, but like not really bring up what's actually going on in our hearts. I remember at the end of the conversation, Alex was like, hey man, before before we hang out, dude, is there anything you just like want to be known about? Like, like, do you feel known? Do you feel alone in any way? Like, I just want to be here. Like, I'm not going to try to fix you. Like, do you, do you feel known by me? Do you feel known in general? And I remember just like pausing and like, because uh, I wasn't ready for that that question. Um, that's not a typically asked question. And um, I think we stayed on the phone for like 45 more minutes because I was like, man, I did not talk about any of this stuff that's like actually really heavy on my heart. And um, and so for me, like to, that, that fix, that, that thing that solves the, the loneliness in my heart is going to the Lord in prayer and going to my brothers in Christ. And, and I really do feel like that, that is the gospel of loneliness, right? Like the Lord doesn't give us like, I think sometimes we think like, oh yeah, once I get married, then like my loneliness mm-hmm. will go away. Or once I become a missionary, then my loneliness right. will go away. Or once, you know, all these things. And like, that is not the gospel. Like we don't live in a prosperity gospel, right? Like the Lord desires for, for his goodness. But really like when we give our lives to Jesus, the only thing we get like in return that we know we're going to get is Jesus. Like we get Jesus back. We get his presence. He flocks to us when we're most lonely, when we're most unknown and he just runs to us. And so, yeah, I don't know for me, I just run to the Lord and run to my brothers in Christ. And yeah, it's been a huge, huge blessing in my life. So that's awesome. Yeah. I would say, man, when I think about this idea of lonely, I, I love what you said. This was something I remember hearing, let's say, maybe a year to six months before I got married. Someone was, the, for the first time, told me that, yeah, marriage, like, you, there, are, there are hundreds and upon millions of, of lonely married men. Mm. <clears throat> and I remember, like, obviously stepping into that, being like, what? I, I thought I was going to get married. I was going like, to be lonely, right? Because you have this, this idea of a partner. And man, like, man, like, my first three months of marriage have been so great. Like, Mackenzie, mm-hmm. it's amazing. I, every day I'm more and more grateful of the Lord's, like, providence of bringing her into my life. And I truly believe that she's the most beautiful bride on the planet. I mean that. But it, it's unrealistic for me to expect that I won't be lonely when I'm with her. And in fact, some of the most lonely times have been, well, this whole past year when I was engaged and married, some of the most lonely times since that initial story of high school has probably been this year. Mm. Starting over in a new community, forming friendships, having people that like want you around but don't really know you well enough yet, things like that. And so I think in, in this year, what I've, what I've learned is like almost that we journey towards the Lord and we actually accept the fullness of the gospel whenever we, like to Braxton was saying, like realize that loneliness is a part of, of, of our love for the Lord. And in many ways, I, I picture him, right, when all of the apostles have, have run away, besides John and, and, and obviously Mary, um, Mary Magdalene, I think. But, but everyone else has run away. And picturing, like, Lord, if the whole aim of my life is to be more wrapped up in you, how could I hope to know your heart more but to experience this loneliness? How could I expect, as, as a son of the Father, to be stepping into, into the Son of the Father besides experience the loneliness that you experience as each and every time you reach out into our life and we reject you. And so I think 
for me this year, it's almost been learning to, to, to live in that, that loneliness, not at, at, you know, still to reach out, to still seek God's fatherhood, just as Jesus does, right? As he cries out to his father, but to realize that it's not the prerogative of the Christian to run from loneliness, but to see it as a transformation into being the son of God. And that's been so important for me this year. Something I've clung to is I feel most isolated, most broken is to be like, Lord, like, I know that you love me and I don't understand why. Holy Spirit, help my heart to understand how the Father would love me even when I'm most like this. So if, if, I don't know if it's a concrete answer in a sense, but I think that's really been my experience this year is just turning to prayer and, yeah. and calling. One thing I've realized is like, yeah, the whole point of brotherhood is, is to allow those moments, like you said, for us to father one another. Mm-hmm. And as much as we participate in Jesus, right, who, who reveals the Father, as Jesus fills our hearts, we actually reveal the Father to them as well. And so I think this year, I remember dozens of times that I would call or text Bob and be like, Bob, I really need like just to talk to you. Like just calling him or other other friends too, just to be willing to admit, hey, look, I, I need someone to talk to right now who's going to listen and to admit that we're lonely. Yeah, um, so, good. so that's some of my thoughts for sure from this year. Super. Super. Okay. Well, that's, that's I love it. Um, we will... We'll be closing out. I just some of the things you guys said. I just want to recap for everyone listening: is 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 turning to the Lord in prayer. Even this question of like, what's the last thing that I want to share in spiritual direction or in prayer? Um, turning to a friend and like asking ourselves or asking them, "Do you feel known? Is there anything that you feel uh, unknown or alone in?" And then, yeah, I, th- I think Trevor, like he said that just being brave or being courageous in the moments that we're struggling and, and reaching out to to a friend and to a brother and just articulating that I just feel lonely like I don't even know I don't I don't maybe I can't pinpoint all the causes of it and maybe I don't need to um, at this moment but I at least need to just say I, I'm just struggling I feel lonely and I had that experience yesterday with someone to me and and, and just reaching out and say hey I'm just really struggling and that's just like so moving it just moves the heart like it, I think I think we see that or we experience like God the Father and Jesus' heart being moved uh, by our misery. When we when we hear someone else say like, "I'm just miserable and I'm lonely," right? I think we, I think we get to partake in that experience of God's heart being moved for His people. I know today wasn't like we again we weren't talking about the secret sauce of joy part two, um, and so there wasn't a ton of laughter. But what what's crazy is is the last three days with these guys, we have just been cutting up and cracking up <laughs> and just ridiculous. So many inside jokes that we, I, I can't wait to let all of you guys in on when we talk later, my faithful listeners. But at, at the same time, it's just cool to, t- to come together Pentecost Sunday and talk about loneliness. Why? Because joy and loneliness aren't exclusively mutually exclusive, right? Like they're, it's all part of the journey. It's all part of our walk with God. And so, yeah, is there any, is there any last pieces that you guys would want to share with anyone listening? Yeah, last thing that comes to my mind is just for some homework for everyone. Um, yeah, go check out. There's a prayer called Be Satisfied. Um, just Google Be Satisfied prayer. I believe it's by St. Anthony of Padua. But that and a song called For Real by David Wilcox are two things that have, yeah, just like really allowed me to enter into that loneliness. And so there's your homework for the week. Let's go. I love it. Uh, I would say I just picked up this book the other day, The Life uh, or The Life of the Beloved. Sorry, no, The Return of the Prodigal Son um, by Henry Nowen. Yes. You don't have to read the book. If you want to read the book, it's great. And that's and that's so I can't recommend it yet. I'm only 12 pages in. But uh, <laughs> but what has struck me is he, basically his whole story is his reflecting on uh, the painting by Rembrandt, The Return of the Prodigal Son. And if you look at that painting, I, I'd say you could do a whole like holy hour praying with that image of the father embracing the son in this painting. And you can just see this depth of love in his eyes. And so 
yeah, just go look up that painting, The Return of the Prodigal Son by, by Rembrandt. It has this just beautiful image of the father's love for us and, and embracing the lonely son. Super. Last thing that, that I would say is, is to put what we're saying into practice. Uh, is there someone in your life that you can see this, these signs of loneliness that, that you could reach out to? Or are you completely human and you're experiencing loneliness too? And is there someone that you could reach out to just to share that with? Through text, through voicemail, through voice memo, um, through a MySpace message, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, <laughs> there it is. There it is. Um, hey, it's been a joy. Even talking about loneliness, it's been a joy to be known by you guys. Thank you guys for recording this week. And Braxton, when you're in town next, we'll record again. You know what? Yes, sir. See ya. Bye. We um, oh, I don't have any bloopers. Should we just keep talking or? <laughs> no, no bloopers. No, we have some, and I need to. I need to. Okay, okay, okay. You got mass. You got mass. Yeah. The bloopers. Trevor, late. Um, <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to find out. Nice. You know what I'm saying? The worst thing in the world is that. Oh, the worst uh, thing in the world was that was that intro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for this podcast. They they say that I have a face for radio. So, um, and oh you my. shall see that today. We're gonna need to take that out, Thomas. <laughs> uh, well, it's super good. We've been we've been hanging out the past. Few days.